continuing our series from the ashes. We're going to be looking first at Mark chapter 1 verse 35. We'll be doing, looking through several different scriptures this morning and most of them are on the back of the bulletin. If you want to look there, the exception of one that I'll bring up uh, separate just because I added it this morning while I was going through the, the message. But we're in week three of our um, From the Ashes sermon series and we're going to be in this for six Sundays. We're halfway through. And we're going to be looking at different aspects of Jesus's life and ministry during his time here on earth. And each week we're getting a glimpse into the abundant life possible in and through Jesus Christ. Week one we discussed temptation. And last week we tackled Christ-like humility together. This week we're going to take a look at Jesus's most powerful habit. Everybody who wants to really be like Jesus, be a Christian, should probably look to see exactly what Jesus did in his life. And one of the big things he did in his life, his most powerful habit, was contemplative prayer, or being still and quiet with God. And most everyone I, I talk to, everybody like I talk to either here or out in the community, at work, all that, one of the things that most people say is, I wish I had a better prayer life. I wish I had that kind of, that devotional life with God that was so much more powerful. And one of the major issues I think we all share during this time in history is that we are constantly bombarded with stimulation. Through the internet, through the TV, through the radio, just constant stimulation and bombardment. And all these things seriously impede our ability to slow down. And to be honest, how many people have a problem just sitting still for a moment? Right. Let me show you this. Everybody stand up just for a second. Actually, for one minute. I want everybody to close their eyes. I'm going to set a timer for one minute. It's not going to beep, so you can't cheat. So I want you to just stand there. When you think one minute has passed, I want you to sit down. But you have to close your eyes, no cheating. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Time. First person who sat down in 20 seconds. 
That's just, the goal here is to show if you can have enough focus to just quietly judge time. If I had you sit here for five minutes with your eyes closed in prayer, most of you would be climbing the walls in about a minute, wouldn't you? I mean, that's, that's just the, the nature of life right now in the kind of uh, society that we live in. And I know even that minute of stillness probably felt like forever to you. On some level, this exercise draws our attention to the challenge of stillness. The challenge of actually sitting there in a quiet place with God. And even just in prayer. We think if we go into a prayer closet, we have to do something. We have to pray. We have to kneel. We have to shout. We have to, to, sit, to pray in our prayer language. We have to do all these things. But we are very uncomfortable when it comes to sitting still and being silent before God. It's almost as if we all have this thing that I discovered is a, is a real kind of diagnosis in Las Vegas. When I worked for AMR, it's one of the largest amb ambulance companies in the world, I was a middle manager. And I was talking to another manager who had just um, moved into our call center, and he came from Las Vegas. And we were all just sitting around the, the table in the break room one day, and I said, so, you know, what kind of calls do you guys usually get in Las Vegas? You know, what's your typical run-of-the-mill shift look like? And he said, well, he said, Vegas is, you're going to run the same calls everywhere. You're going to run your chest pains, your shortness of breath, your diabetic calls, injuries, all that kind of stuff. He goes, that's just with the people who live there. He goes, the tourist, completely different. He goes, the number one call among tourists is something that we call Las Vegas syndrome. Las Vegas syndrome comes when somebody has not had enough sleep, enough water, too much sun, and probably a little bit too much alcohol. All these people who come there, who fly there, who want to do whatever um, happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas kind of thing, they get so stimulated, so overwhelmed with all, of this, all the things coming at them that they'll literally run themselves almost into a waking coma. And he said, you'll see them just kind of stumbling around town and just with a blank look on their face, almost like a zombie, because they don't know what to do. Their thought process has completely shut down. And they have to, many of them have to be taken to the hospital, completely rehydrated, and even put into a, a medically assisted sleep for over 12 hours just to reset their brain chemistry. That's how bad it can get. Out of curiosity, how many people here feel that way just from living in 2022 right now? You feel almost like we have, have a Las Vegas syndrome. Hopefully we're not all drinking ourselves half to death, but... Um, you feel that constant stimulation that you just can't shut your brain off. And if you're addicted to TikTok, that's probably a big reason behind it. If you have TikTok on your phone, honestly, please, 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 there are so many papers coming out saying the, the perniciousness of TikTok and, and just how addictive that thing is and how damaging it is to you psychologically. But it's on purpose, guys. I'm, I'm being serious about that. Just please get rid of that. But all of our lives get so loud, they get so busy, they get so frantic. Many of us have grown accustomed to the noise. We're addicted to it. It's an addiction. And we feel out of place when it all stops. 
Just like the experiment that we did a couple minutes ago. Just about being quiet only for one minute is really hard. And I get that. I totally get that because I'm like a lot of you. I used to think that being busy is the ultimate sign of godliness. Going on three hours of sleep, running with your hair on fire, just doing, 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 doing is, is, is something that, that a person should strive for. But I've learned very differently, especially in the last few years, just how damaging that is to, to me spiritually and to anyone who pursues that kind of lifestyle. It comes as no surprise that the Bible has a different way for us. Jesus has a different way for us. It's a much more fulfilling way. And there's several principles we can put into action that I'm going to share with you this morning. But let's start out with prayer. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you open up our hearts, our mind, and our spirits this morning to hear your word. Let your Holy Spirit come in and point out those areas where we need to slow down. To be willing to put aside all those things that aren't feeding us spiritually. To put aside all those things that in the moment they may feel great, but in the end they leave us empty. Lord God, come and do some heart surgery on us this morning through your word, which you say penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Let it judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, this message is about contemplative prayer. And this word contemplation depending on how connected you are with modern Christianity, it, it, it has some um, bad connotations that some people put to it. Some people think it's, it's a new age thing, but it's not that at all. It's exactly what Jesus did. When I say contemplative prayer, I mean that it is a word used to describe a peaceful, silent, calm place of prayer in the life of a believer. Not necessarily just something you do once a day, a couple times a week, but something you actually walk moment by moment, day by day, with God. As Christians, we're supposed to follow the words and actions of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the word Christian means, a follower of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that really marked Jesus' life was his prayer life. There are dozens and dozens of scriptures that described Jesus going in prayer. He would go into the wilderness and pray by himself. And in Mark 1.35, there's an example of Jesus walk off into the desert early morning to be alone in prayer. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, place where he prayed. We really don't know how Jesus prayed, outside of the model prayer that he gave us. We don't know if he sat in silent. We don't know if he sang worship songs. I don't know if he brought a laundry list of, of prayer needs before his father. Did he pray through the Psalms? We really don't know. But when I think about contemplation, when I think about stillness, and I think about connecting with God, 
I really think of this verse and verses like it. When Jesus would deliberately separate himself from the crowds, separate himself from his disciples, separate himself from his entire ministry and life, and go out into the wilderness and pray. That's a kind of prayer life that I think we should all strive for. Not something that is just another check on a to-do list, but something we look forward to. Something you look forward to, like me, I look forward to, I think it's September 15th, 14th this year, bowl season opens. I look forward to that. I want to look forward to my prayer life just like that. Listen to the way Richard Foster describes prayer. He says, when we pray, genuinely pray, the real condition of our heart is revealed. This is as it should be. This is when God truly begins to work with us. And that adventure is just beginning. It's, we've come to the day where prayerless Christianity is no longer an option. We've come to the day where half measures are not going to get you through to the judgment seat of Christ. Prayer is our most amazing venue in connecting with God. I mean, if you think about it for a moment, we are invited to speak to the very creator of the universe. I mean, let that sink in for a moment. I mean, we can't even go down and meet with somebody on our local small town city council without making an appointment. But with God, we have direct, free, and unhindered access to the king of the universe. 24-7, 365, anytime we want, there's no matter too small to bring to him. If you stubbed your toe and it's hurt, he wants to hear about it. Nothing is too small to share with your God. Some of you are thinking, I don't know what to say when I pray. I don't know how to start it. It just seems, all that prayer stuff just seems like... Kind of weird stuff. Let's go back to the Richard Foster again. He said, I urge you, carry on an ongoing conversation with God about the daily stuff of life. For now, don't worry about proper praying. Just talk to God. Share your hurts. Share your sorrows. Share your joys freely and openly. God listens in compassion and love just like we do when our children come to us. He delights in our presence. When we do this, we will discover something of inestimable value. We will discover that by praying, we learn how to pray. We learn by doing, and we have to start somewhere. I'm going to give you a couple principles that I think will help you develop that kind of prayer life and a, a devoted a devotion to contemplation and prayer and stillness. The first thing is lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Sometimes you need to take your focus on this three-foot world or this five-inch screen and just lift up your eyes and look at God. Psalm 121.1 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The principle here is that there are times each and every day when we need to stop focusing on what is around us and stop and remember the one who we serve, the one who loves us. 
And it's hard. I know we get so focused, laser focused on things here of this earth that we forget about our relationship with the maker of the universe. And we can forget sometimes that he is compassionate. He wants to hear every detail of our lives. Looking up causes us to change our perspective. It causes us to look and focus on something else, or in this case, someone else. That's why often I just get in the car and drive. A couple weeks ago, it was on a Sunday afternoon, I was just feeling overwhelmed about a lot of things, and I, I jumped in the car and just went for a drive. I didn't even know where I was going. I got off on some back road south of Arcadia somewhere, and immediately when I turned on this back road, my phone service went no phone service at all. My satellite radio in the car went away because there was tall trees on either side of the road. I was driving in absolute silence. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh gosh, I can't, I'm not connected. I'm, I, I have no, what am I going to do? And it just occurred to me that maybe God did that. Shut off the noise for a little while. And just let me sit. And I just, I pulled off on an overlook. I could see all the way to Minnesota off this overlook I was looking to, and just sat there in my car in silence and prayed. Drove down to the locks in Trempolo, spent some more time in prayer, and just spent time alone with God. A few weeks ago, I had a horrendous weekend at work. We were very busy, we were understaffed, we had very hard patients, and I was so tired, so burned out, and so just lost in myself and my just thoughts going everywhere in my mind. I drove out to Lake Wazee in Jackson County, drove out to this area called the Basin that nobody ever goes to, and just sat there looking at the stars as they faded and the sun came up. And I remember just feeling as I just rested my soul and just sat in the silence sitting on the hood of my car, just remember or feeling the love and the mercy and the, the cleansing power of God just wash over me. I sat out there for an hour just by myself, not doing anything, just sitting in silence and spending time with God. And you know, when I finally got home, I slept soundly for the first time in weeks. This is something that we all need to start getting into our lives. Shut off the media. Shut off all that stuff. And just spend time with God in the quiet. If you take time to stop what you're doing and look to God, you're reminded that He cares for you. He's watching over you. As Psalms 127, 7 and 8 says, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going now and forevermore. I find that very comforting, that God is watching over everything. Here are a couple of simple ideas most anyone can do to practice looking up. One, if you're feeling anxious and stressed, or you need to get a little space in the process or a different or in a difficult or space to process a difficult situation, just get a, take a walk. Not only is it healthy, but it gets you away from everything. Leave your phone at home. Walk with, walk with God. Just lift up the situation to Him and pray about it. 
even if it's messy, even if it's concerning an addiction or a sin that you're involved in, bring it to God. You said, well, I can't bring sin to God. Newsflash, he already knows you're doing it. You might as well bring him into the situation too because you know what? That's when the healing begins. When you're open, open and honest with God about the things that you're doing. He wants to come in and free you from that bondage. So let God be God in your life. But you don't have to just wait for crisis to do this. Schedule a daily time. Put it on your calendar. Add an alarm to your phone. However, whatever it takes for you to, to get through to do this, make sure you spend time just alone with God. The second thing we can do is practice stillness. Regular times in stillness and quietness are incredibly powerful for our overall spiritual health and even physical health. Anxiety is no good for you. High blood pressure is no good for you. Const being in a constant state of adrenaline rush is not good for you. Let's look at a couple verses from Psalms on this point. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 62 verse 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him is my salvation. What is it about stillness and silence that helps us get reacquainted with the Lord? Why does our soul, our inmost being, feel at rest there in the quiet? And why does the Bible put this idea of spending time in silence before God at the level of being sacred? I could ask a dozen more questions like this, but let's instead look at the story of Elijah and his account, encounter with the Lord in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verse 11. The Lord told Elijah, he was an Old Testament prophet, the Lord said, go and stand by on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore, apart the, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, and the, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know, we look for the big things to see God's presence. But the Lord isn't always in the wind. He's not always in the earthquake. And in this case, he couldn't even be found in the fire. But the Lord was there. And in this case, used the whisper. You can't hear a whisper if you're surrounded by noise. This is why this idea of contemplation, of getting alone with God, is so important to us. We live such chaotic lives in these days. 
We have a hard time spending time just alone, hearing the gentle whisper of the Lord. Especially if you have children at home. That's, that's a really tough thing to try to find silence. We may think that we need to accomplish all the millions of things that we're doing every day. But what's most important and most valuable is our time with God. I encourage you to write the following verse down. It's not on your, in your um, bulletin. I added it this morning because God was just dealing with me about this. It's Isaiah 30.15 that says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. He was saying that as a rebuke to the nation of Israel at that time. And he was saying, you need to return to the basics of trusting me, spending time with me, being silent before me. And God is there for each one of us like that. We just need to be willing to have that kind of time with him. The third thing we can do to, to incorporate contemplative prayer into our life is to be honest. Prior to Elijah being in that cave and seeing all those things, God had to drive him into that cave. He was so busy in ministry, doing all these wonderful, huge things before the Lord, that he got burned out, he got scared, he ran away from a, from a conflict and ran into that cave. God drew him in there so he would listen and be able to express his foundations. In fact, Jesus had a similar time during his life. Immediately before his arrest, Jesus leads his disciples to a quiet place in a garden, and he asks them to wait and pray with him. Then he takes Peter, James, and John a little further into that garden and left them there and asked them, will you pray and wait with me? And then he walked even further without them and collapsed onto the ground. Now, do we think that Jesus prayed a formal, well-rehearsed prayer? Do we think he prayed in our Father or some other formal prayer like that? No. He just let it all out. I know this is hard for some religious people to hear, but this is the truth. When you read, really read, the garden, what Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was freaking out. That's hard to hear. You're thinking, well, I, you can't say that Jesus was freaking out. I know that, that that probably makes you feel a little uncomfortable. But I ask you this. When was the last time you felt anxiety so bad that you sweat blood? It's an actual medical condition proven, hemodidrosis. It can happen. Your blood pressure gets so high that it pushes the blood out of your very pores. He is, is having a major anxiety attack here. And keep in mind, he's omniscient. He knows that this is only going to be a temporary thing. He knows that, okay, I'm going to have to suffer for about the next 24 hours, and then I go to glory. He knows this. He also knows that the suffering he's about to enter into, this was all his idea. 
The Bible is very clear that the cross was always part of the plan. It was not a knee-jerk reaction when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. It was part of the plan. So when the triune God planned to, and decided to create everything, it was part of the plan. Jesus knew that this was coming. Now Jesus is facing the very real consequences of this decision they made eons ago and begs God the Father to change his mind. Is there any other way? He was honest with God. He poured out his spirit before God. As I said before, we're Christians, which means we're supposed to emulate, represent, believe, and act like Jesus. So let's take his lead here. Sometimes we need to go to our Father and freak out a little bit. Let it out. He knows it's in there. He wants you to release it to him. I'm not talking about railing against God, cussing at God, doing anything like that. I'm talking about just having an honest expression of emotion with him. You know, one of the most beautiful books of the Bible is Psalms. Because you see all of that. You see the raw emotion of the authors as they were processing anger with God. They were processing jealousy and sorrow, grief, even hatred. And then meekness and repentance. It's all in there. We need to look up. We need to be silent. But we also need to be honest about our feelings before God. Can I just be honest with you? You're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. But you know what? You're God's mess. Let him straighten out your mess for you. As we finish up today, let's just be brutally honest with ourselves about something. Is all of our striving, all of our hustle, all of our bustle, all your appointments, activities, actions... Facebook or social media or phone games or whatever, whatever your thing is, is it making you a more peaceful person or is it causing more anxiety? Is a grind life giving you a grounded faith that you long for? Are you sitting in an ash heap of unmet expectations, broken resolutions, and message notifications on Facebook that you'll never have time to answer. As you think about those questions, I want to read you one of the most powerful and important passages in the New Testament. This is Jesus talking in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, the enemy is not going to just allow you to enter into these times with God on your own. He's going to throw a roadblock after roadblock phone messages, notifications, Facebook posts, Twitter, whatever whatever you're into, he is going to always throw that in front of you so that sacred time and space to connect with the Lord is no longer there to you. 
But if you heed the words that we just read and realize there's a space for your burden, there's a space for your exhaustion, there's a space for your chaos in God, you will find that Jesus is an amazing Savior who wants to take all of that upon himself. So I'd encourage you, set a reminder on your phone. Count, carve out a weekend where you can get away. Turn off the electronic devices every night at 8 a.m. Or at 8 p.m. It's 8 a.m. for me, but 8 p.m. for you guys. Do whatever you need to make this week make time to have that time to contemplate and pray and just sit with the Lord. It's worth it. Trust me, it's worth it. Not only it's worth it, he's worth it. He's there in the silence. He's there in the gentle whisper. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you this morning. We confess.